I just saw that this morning, just uh, right before the show. I died laughing. I thought that was like so creative. It is creative. I love that. It's so weird, too, because um, I was having a conversation with uh, my friend Brian Richards, whom you know. Yeah, uh, and, and I haven't he, heard him from him in we, a long time. Yeah, yeah. He was, uh, I don't know, we just got into a conversation and somehow we both realized that we both like bluegrass. I and, hate uh, bluegrass. That's Ugh. funny. I like it. I love I love stringed instruments uh, mm -hmm. and I play, you know, guitar myself. So that that's really where it comes from for me. And my uncle uh, plays guitar. He loves playing bluegrass. And my aunt it. hates it's, the music. I think it's like jazz. It's more for the performer than it is for the audience. You know, uh, the thing is, is in order to play bluegrass, you got to be pretty talented. I mean, mm -hmm. they, they're moving around that fretboard yeah. like crazy. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're very talented musicians. So um, he sent me some bluegrass song that actually it was a bluegrass and it was but it was a very happy song. It made me so mm -hmm. joyful. Mm -hmm. And so the other day I was in the store and uh, this song, it was uh, it was a Pink Floyd song and it was uh uh, I was recognizing the words, but it was being played to a blue. It was a bluegrass band that was playing kind of like the video we did. I'm just like, that. like it. It was just oh my like God. That. I mean, it wasn't the original. It wasn't yeah. just like it, but it was Pink Floyd, a bluegrass band uh, that was playing a Pink I Floyd see. song, and they did a great job with it. It sounded the the, the instrumental sounded great. The the vocals wasn't that wasn't the greatest part but yeah. it's still pretty cool yeah. that it was just interesting that you played that that mm. i just saw that last night myself so just really weird oh how cool yeah um i like the alternative with that and it's it was so neat how david lee roth <laughs> seemed to be dancing in a country style all of a sudden but it was what he wasn't <laughs> but it totally <laughs> Well, the funny thing is, is the irony of that was like the most 80s video ever. Like he's uh, all glammed up and uh, acting yeah, yeah. all feminine. And it's yeah. this juxtaposed with this bluegrass uh, hillbilly kind of stuff going on. And, and that old footage. Oh, God, I know, guys, if you're listening and you didn't actually see the video, they all of a sudden cut to this uh, old video of footage of Apoka. A polka dance <laughs> it looked like it was square dancing square dancing there. say yeah. i don't know isn't that the same thing i don't yeah. know um but it reminds that reminds me of when i was a kid my parents uh, when my brother and i were kids my parents and i would ship us off to my grandparents my grandma and grandpa edwards on occasion and uh so that they could go out partying on the weekend and so we'd stay the night on saturday and sunday morning they always watched this show called polka variety i watched that too it was god. terrible oh god i wanted to jump out of my skin it you know i'm terrible. like eight years old and i'm already like so in my ways like i hated country but the worst is polka it's polka variety it oh, was God. terrible and was. have you ever heard tejano music never heard that word before. okay so tejano is uh, very popular uh in the mexican culture uh and you hear it all the time but it sounds just like polka and uh except for you know there'll be like a spanish spanish language singer and everything but it's polka music that's what it is and mm. um and it's bah, 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 you know it kind of sounds like oh that and boom 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 <laughs> i think i heard sounds, that yeah. the other day there is a 
a new Mexican Young. restaurant here yeah. that they took over at Chipotle and it's way better than so it's a Chipotle style like that uh -huh, whole uh -huh. line. You build your own burrito or whatever, but it's so much better. Like I can't go to Chipotle anymore because Me of this neither. place and it's authentic Mexicans and that run it. And it's so good, but they play that music. And I, I swear to God, so I'm sitting there eating just like yesterday, the day before. And I was thinking to myself that this sounds like Mexican polka. It is. It's what did you call it? What did you it's, call it? It's called Tejano. And, oh. um, and, and, and Barry, here's what's even crazier about it is that young people, young in Mexican culture, young people love that music. Oh and they'll, they'll be driving down the street with it. Like, it's like, rap, like, you know how people drive down the street with like rap music and it's like vibrating the whole yeah. car. And it's like, who does that's what they're doing with this Tejano music. Believe they it. Love it. And I'm, I'm like, and, and you should see them dance to this music. It's um, like, wow. Uh, what is it comparable? The dancing was it comparable um, it's it's uh, it's very like salsa kind of oh. like, you know, and they can. I used to take salsa dancing lessons. I did, too. And Marie and I took salsa. We it's took difficult. Salsa. We had uh, like rumba and we went to. It's Arthur, difficult. Arthur isn't Holy cow. Yeah. It was really, really hard. And Anne-Marie sort of a natural at that. And mm. I am not. Same here. And it's so embarrassing. It uh, is. Especially being a black guy. I should. Oh, right. Yeah. You should be moonwalking. Yeah, yeah. Stuff. That's what they're like. <laughs> I thought you'd be able to do a lot better than this. Just like, so embarrassing. <laughs> I'm going to turn in my black card. It's so hard, though. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. When you get some of those moves down and uh you can then hold your own on a common everyday dance floor doing regular dance because you got, you got the basic moves, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so what I had of, of this, this fantasy of was that, you know, Anne Marie and I would be at like some really cool swanky event, you know, and then all of a sudden, like some, some of this music would come on and we'd be able to like, uh, either salsa dance or ballroom because we were taking mm. ballroom dance like do like difficult. the tango or something mm. like oh, that tango and we we learned the tango we really? learned the rumba we learned the foxtrot and uh nice man uh, one other one oh uh what's the one that you actually do with polka dancing i forgot what it's called anyway so we did all i was terrible at all of them see um, i would be too sure well we did the, you learned we a did lot. the foxtrot in front of uh, a whole crowd of people like it was this big event we were all nervous for it and everything but we did it to a really cool frank sinatra song yeah and that's what i'd like to do is like we're at a wedding or something and a song yeah. comes like on like that and i can just grab Anne Marie and just go yeah. dancing and everything. But I got a cool story. Like didn't that. actually pan out that way. Oh, OK. OK. I thought a, I, totally humiliating uh, experience. for me. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> uh, about 10 years ago, Lisa and I went to this big event. She's in Noya, which is Northern Ohio Italian Association. Oh. And it's a it's a really tight group of uh, yeah. very successful Italians. And uh, some years ago, they used to do big balls like during the holidays and yes. stuff. And uh, so we went to one of these about 10 years ago is uh, some some big fancy place downtown. I don't remember exactly where. But so after dinner, they start uh, playing some 
some semi dance music, probably some Dean Martin or something, the kind of stuff where you could yeah, do some yeah. fancy dancing too. Yeah, uh, yeah. But nobody's going out on the dance floor. And I say to Lisa, come on, let's go do this. And she's like, oh, self conscious, like, oh, come on, I don't know. No, everybody will be looking at us. I said, we'll make it safe for everybody else. And that's what we did. So we go up there. And if you know these basic moves, this is the point, then you can lead anybody. The, the yes, other person, yes. the, the girl doesn't have to know how to dance. You could just, okay, go side to side and I'll do this spin and come back to me. And, you know, and, and so we just do that, just doing some basic stuff. And then we made it safe for everybody else. All of a sudden the dance dance floor got, you know, packed. So that's a cool thing to do, you know, go ahead yeah, and yeah, stick your neck really out cool there thing to do. Yeah. So I have a, I had a, an experience when I was working for this company called Emergent and uh, we had a big Christmas party and it was uh, down in Florida and a big, big uh, hotel. And then, and then after the meal, there was, there was dancing. And uh, like I said, I've never been a dancer right. <laughs> and I'm always very self-conscious about that Me whole too. thing, Me too. Uh, but I was feeling pretty good. And I decided it's good I, to I, challenge yourself with that. I had talked to Anne-Marie about this because I was kind of nervous. I knew there was going to be dancing and everything. And like I said, Anne-Marie's, you know, she can, she's good. Uh-huh. And uh, she said, you know what, Merle, here's something that you can do. Like, just go out there and pretend you're doing something like you could be like stirring the pot. You could do like you could be sweeping, you know, like, <laughs> like, uh, you could end just do pretend you're doing something like that. They'll never know that that's yeah. what you're doing. And, yeah. uh, and they're going to love it. So that's what I did. I was like, everybody was like, come on, Merle, get out of here and everything. And of course, I'm the tallest guy in the group. Oh, so I know that you hate can that. see me. Right. Yeah. And so I'm like, OK, I'm going to do the Anne Marie thing. And since I'm coming here from California, I went out there and pretended I was surfing, you know, <laughs> that's hilarious. Dude, they loved it. <laughs> and they were like, go, Merle, go, Merle. And oh, my God. Did, the whole place went crazy. And I, I did a couple of fancy moves, you know, like I was playing hacky sack. You know? Oh, that's <laughs> so funny. I was doing that. That's so were- funny. So then it was just like all night long. People were like, oh, that was great. That was great. So so the next year we had this event again and uh, and I wasn't feeling it like I don't want to oh. get up there and dance and everything. Yeah. So the dance started and I I'm like, I'm going to sneak outside at <laughs> the hotel. I don't want to go out there and not do the thing that I did. All I know is the surfer move anyhow. You know, so I can't it won't be original. And then somebody came running out there in a panic. Merle. The CEO's name was Michael. Michael's looking all over for you, and he wants you out on the dance floor because oh you're such God. a good dancer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, you I gave, got my car and I went back to the hotel. Oh, that's so funny! You gave here. some really good dance tips, though. I would just uh, enhance that a bit and yeah. say you incorporate that. You you can you know go slide back into the white man two step you know which is just rocking back and forth and that's all white people do but then then you go back then you slip into your surfing (laughs) thing into the surfer thing yeah Yeah, you go back and forth the people are gonna think like where did you get those moves (laughs) california thing i love Anne marie's (laughs) advice on that just think like common chores 
and uh, exactly. you know, that's it. That's it. You're watching the windows, you know, <laughs> <laughs> watching the windows. Do the Mr. Miyagi, good. you know, <laughs> exactly. Wax on, wax on. <laughs> right. All right, there we're going over here. Now. <laughs> that's that's they, priceless. They had like, they had like the the the. the uh, the soul train line where you got to dance down the line. That's all I did. I like surfed down the line. That's so <laughs> funny, was, man. It was cool, man. It was a good time, but I did. I just didn't feel it the next time I was there. And I, I escaped. Yeah. Oh, that's that's fantastic. Um, I, so I got some renters coming in on Sunday, which oh is boy. why I'm here and yeah. frantically trying to do some between doing projects, uh, client work, and then working on this thing for my mom. This big deal, which is going to be late. Uh, but, uh, I'm going to the Browns game on Sunday with my buddy, oh, yeah. uh, uh, Brian, uh, Brian Hall, the electrical safety guy. Love that. Cool. Guy. So yeah, it's a preseason, second preseason game. Have no idea if starters are going to play or not. I would think a little bit, who, who uh, are but they I playing? can't wait. Um, the giants. Oh, that's always cool. All yeah. Right. Because they're Good practicing game. with them all week. And then they lead up to this exhibition game. So wow. yeah. Yeah. I mean, exciting. It's exciting just for the experience of it, but a preseason game, they have no game plan. They're just going through generic plays, right, you know? Right. So it yeah. is what it is, but I, I just, thought uh, I hope that the weather will be nice. Like I want to ride my bike down there. Oh, back. that would be so mm -hmm. cool. I love yeah. that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, Scott was just, uh, this week, my brother, Scott, uh, mm -hmm. was at, uh, he had a business function at the stadium that the Rams and the Chargers play in, which is a brand new stadium that we have here I'm in Los trying Angeles. Trying to think now, is it Los Angeles Rams or are they not uh, Las Vegas Rams? It's no, it's the Las Vegas Raiders, and um, it. it's the so we so now it's the not only the Los Angeles Rams, but we also have the Los Angeles Chargers now, and so it's they, such a. That's such a disservice because LA is not a football town anyway. Not at all. And you got two teams. Not at all. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's more of a college football uh, town. You know, they love their USC, UCLA. Uh, but uh, but as far as professional, it just doesn't doesn't even feel like a, nah. a football town. But we have two teams, whatever. We're huge. Mm -hmm. um, but he, he brought pictures of because they were in these various like the, the loges and everything. Mm -hmm. Holy cow, that's a beautiful stadium. I Is mean, right? state of the art. They Scott uh, told me they spent like some guy. Now, I don't know. I don't remember now. It was mm -hmm. like he might as well have said Jig a billion. Mm -hmm. uh, it was it's just billions of dollars on this stadium. And it is just state of the art. And um, apparently it's got a, a sliding dome on it. So it can be Jeez. either open sky or close. Yeah. But L.A., what a waste of money because it's almost what always beautiful. Yeah. What a waste. Exactly. And here in Cleveland, we don't have a dome. But yeah, and yeah. It's, why? Why do we have a dome? I, I, I didn't even think about that until just what are we doing with it? It's ridiculous. But in Cleveland, fog out. we got this beautiful uh, stadium right on the lake and it's open in that end. And it's because we want the weather to come in. You want Remember? it. You want to see football played in the snow and in the rain. I love that, actually. I okay. love that. Because remember in Cleveland, they were talking about a dome and we were all like, no, we don't want a dome with right. AstroTurf. <laughs> yeah, what do you? No, we want we want mud and cold. And <laughs> I love and that like misery. Yeah, that's that's the best football. Get down that is. the mud and just as it's just about to freeze. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, right. You just you're just watching them breathe, and it just yeah, it looks yeah. like a steam engine. Like horses out there. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's the best. That's the best football. <laughs> I remember is. watching you know, a game. 
like okay. maybe 20 years ago. You might remember this. Uh, it was so foggy that you could hardly yeah. see the Couldn't players. See. Right, right. Yeah. That, that's so that's the cool thing about Love Cleveland. that. I, and I remember, uh, I remember the Indians were playing that one game. With the bugs? The midges, yeah. Yes. It's like, you can't even see them. There's too many bugs. <laughs> And they're Welcome like to Cleveland. They're like spitting them out of their mouths. Yeah, and they're stuff. having. They're going all up your nose and everything. Yeah, this is, this oh, is disgusting. Thank God those things don't bite. Yeah, no um, kidding. Oh, they're they are disgusting. They are. They're, they're so squishy. Everywhere. They're just squishy. Ew, they're everywhere, and then they die yeah. right away, and they're all piled yeah. up everywhere. Yeah, That's, you can sweep them up. Yeah, I saw a documentary one time, and it was just some some like island nation or African place where they mm. live by the coast and they, these midges like come just like that mm. where it's just like a cloud of bugs and what they were doing was these kids would come out with these little nets that they could spin around mm. and they'd catch these bugs and they're like lots of them and then they'd bring them back to the village and they'd pack them up into patties and they'd fry them up and eat them well, kids like smiling and I got bugs, on. <laughs> little legs sticking out a wing. Uh, there's a I just saw this news story months ago. I guess it was last summer we had them and uh, a, a restaurant in Columbus was making kind of like this, like chocolate covered midges, stuff <laughs> like that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, whatever. I, I heard that hey, if you're in North Korea, you'd be like, come you know, on, midges. Delicacy, right? Exactly. Yeah. Hey, I, I got to say, I haven't been that hungry yet, but I I've been on in a place of hunger where I could see myself doing that if I had to. Hey, let uh, me ask you. Um, so you took in more of that Yemni Park par podcast. Yes. What were some of the stuff that just jumped out at you? Like, how about the how about the little boy that was so emaciated his organs were coming uh, out? That him? part was just awful and just, you know, and Whoa. it sounded like she was uh, really choked up while she was talking about it because she realizes the severity of that now, but it, at the time she was so desensitized. That's what she was really talking about. That just yes. seeing that didn't yeah. have any impact on her, but dogs were licking these organs that were coming out of this poor and flies. Boy. Yeah. yeah. And uh, oh, uh, because he was starving to death. Another thing I thought was really interesting was um, the story about how uh, Kim Jong-un uh, has they have a story there of him and his father Kim Il Sun, and uh, the story is very biblical. That uh, Kim Il Sun is the like Father God, and Kim Jong Un is like Jesus. It's just like the Bible. Of course, nobody in North Korea is going to know that it's, it has anything to do with the Bible because if you have a Bible, you'll die. Mm -hmm. uh, you're not allowed to have that. But uh, but she says so. So he is God to them. And we see yes. that as the trend right. is that in 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 China, um, Xi Jinping is is got no one can question him. He's mm -hmm. always right. And if you do, you'll disappear. And so here in the United was, States, you could pretty much say Obama hit that status with a lot of people. Seriously, I, you know, it's interesting that you say that, because I remember uh, when Obama was here, there was this. I would see crowds of people that seem to have like a fanatical look on their face. Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I've seen films of, uh, you know, when Hitler would come by, they'd show the crowd and they'd be fanatical, like they'd mm -hmm. have a funny look in their mm -hmm. eye, mm -hmm. uh, almost like they were enraptured. And uh, I, I remember seeing that during the Obama administration. And I wonder if people like see that with uh, Donald Trump. I, 
I didn't see that look. I saw some people with that, but it was I didn't I didn't see that look. I mean, I saw but the I huge will, crowds. I will say this, though, Merle, I would say those same people that were idolizing Obama so hard are probably the same ones that went straight into the TDS. Oh, yeah. The, the derangement center. Uh, right about that. Interesting. Because they already had this uh, hyper sensitive thing going on. And so it went completely yeah. the opposite way. And yeah. uh, unfortunately, but, um, you know, interesting this is interesting so i was talking to my mom in that treehouse there this weekend and i was telling i read uh, my notes actually i happened to have my laptop right in my lap as we're talking and i was telling her about we just started getting on some world stuff and yeah i think she still just keeps cnn on all the time that's pretty much her news which is not now there's almost nothing on cnn because they're not going to uh, give any news reports that are anti Biden, you know, or anything like right, that. Right. And so I was telling her about, uh, oh, I was trying to t- describe what's going on with uh, how poor our education system is today. And so I was telling her about Yen- Yenmi Park and describing how she went from the horrifying stuff going on in North Korea that nobody knows about or talks right. about right. Uh, to China, the horrors of China, but then went to got to South Korea to get a really good education. And this was my, the, the whole point Yenmi Park is always trying to make amongst many others is to juxtapose juxtapose, uh, South Korea, how they're at the peak of quality education. And she comes to America to go to, you know, our amazing universities here and how just absolutely poor the education is now and uh, it's been a revelation like listening to jordan peterson's podcast over the last year is like wow i'm getting this education along with him he used to be just a few years back he was a a professor of psychology in the university of toronto and he's shocked he's absolutely he's asking her wait a minute are you saying literally not one class uh, was unaffected by this woke stuff. Not one class actually was good for you. That, and she thought for a while, and she goes very quietly, no, not one class. Mm-hmm. And she made the point on Rogan's podcast about the example of her music class that the professor asked, uh, and I don't have my notes anymore in front of me. He has yeah, something okay. like, yeah, he has something like, um, do you think, uh, do you have any appreciation for Western music, uh, historically speaking, classical music or whatever? And uh, everyone's like, no, no, it's horrible. Like almost in unison, you know, and um, and uh, she was, and then he went on to say that Beethoven and Mozart were, uh, basically white privilege, white supremacist that choked out uh, minority music. It yeah, is that horrible. was their goal when they were writing. When yes. they were writing the music. Was, I know. I'm going to I'm going to choke out some minority music with my music. That's how you just illustrated how horribly ridiculous all this is. And I'm telling my mom this and and I'm saying so because she said, how how is this? And I said, because critical race theory is being pushed on everything in schools everywhere right now. She never heard of critical race theory. And I, and so I'm telling her uh, all about this. She's like, well, where is this going on? And I said, well, there's I couldn't remember the name of that county in, in Virginia. And yeah, yeah. They, Fairfax. P, no, no, it starts with a J. Oh, okay. 
Jocelyn, I think it is something like that. I'm very close there. But, uh, you know, it's really you can really find this everywhere. And we it is everywhere. It is everywhere, except not on CNN interesting there's little education educational news going on how could she not know i know that's happening and she actually she said i I choose not to believe that this is what i hear by leftists a lot when you actually give facts and i i don't mean to say that in a mean way about my mom i love her she's very intelligent uh but, but she watches just your mom this is happening this to is my a great point. portion of our country right? and it's usually older older americans that that have just they've been raised on cnn what just keep it on by habit and haven't noticed the shift over these years I and see. it's gotten to the point in the last few years it's gotten really bad especially since i noticed i say this all the time the the day like the day that trump won the nomination not the presidency just the nomination uh, for the Republican nomination. See, uh, um, what's the radio station? NPR overnight changed, went way left overnight. And I couldn't, because uh, I used to listen to it every time I got in my car uh, yeah, up to yeah. that point. I remember it was like, telling whoa, what the heck happened here? Man? Right, right. And, they they um, exposed themselves. They were yeah. like that before. They just didn't feel safe to expose the, what they really were like. Yeah. So what has been going on for a while now is uh, the whole like older Americans, the baby boomer generation still like they stop. I mean, you kind of they kind of stopped everything in the tracks in like the late 80s or so the 80s where, okay, got my cable, got my CNN. And that's all I need. You know, now, you know, this is what the world is. And what has happened over all these uh, years, slowly, we got to the point younger slightly younger people like in and more so as you go down get younger and younger cut the cable man nobody right you know has listens it, right? at cable news anymore and when you do it's it's kind of horrifying how bad it is you see it right away but if you are still on cable and stuff you this is your reality yeah you know yeah i see and, what you're saying yeah so i think it's i guess my point is it's very important for us to uh gently spread the awareness i mean gently because as as i was talking right here i think it sounds terrible what i was saying and painting a picture of uh you know my mother being deluded by cnn i hate no, that. but it, it's but it's it's not your mom's fault that that's happening it's it's yeah. it's what they did uh to the they, they it's almost like they pulled the carpet out from underneath of us and yeah didn't, didn't tell us and 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 you kind of had to try to figure it out for yourself. And I, I totally get how this is happening to people. Uh, and then you take a look at, you know, social media and what's happening there yeah. and how the algorithms and how we're, they're driving us down into these echo chambers. And, yep, you know, so you we go. got that going on so that we can't talk to anybody else. We can't talk to. You know, like like uh, uh, millennials are calling you know baby boomers boomer. Yeah, you know, in a it's very a thing. Uh, in a in a very derogatory term. And, yeah, you boomer. Know, yeah, yeah, exactly. And and so these these mechanisms have served to to separate us in a in everything a terrible yeah. disuniting. Yeah, it's disuniting is. is what it is, right? And and the interesting thing is that we know that. Marxists have a plan here for a long time in this country to tear it down, yeah. uh, and to to build up another 
utopian type of a society. But Correct. before they can do that, they've got to tear it down. And and this has been something that's been ongoing. I've, I've told you I'm reading that Kent State book right now. I'm about oh, right. halfway through with mm. it. And it's amazing. It was written in 71, so only a year after the event. Um, but it's amazing to me how similar things are that these uh, activists were saying back then they're saying the exact stuff about tearing down society, building it back up. They wanted to uh, defund yeah. the police back then. They wanted to defund the military. They wanted to uh, uh, um, you know, right, dis man. disarm police. Uh, mm -hmm. They they uh, were very focused on you know white uh, majority liberal, very mm -hmm. focused on the plight of black people and using that as a uh, a tool to mm -hmm. leverage their cause. And uh, it was very interesting how these activists were trying to use a uh, bus at Kent State Black United Students, which was an organization when we were there too. Um, <clears throat> and how they were trying, it all started with a, a demonstration from bus uh, down at the bell, uh, you know, in the commons area. Mm -hmm. And um, and at that that night on that Friday night, the crowd, uh, there were activists in the crowd that were saying, come down to Water Street. There's going to be, uh, uh, we're going to start a riot down there. Well, when bus found out about it, they were like, we don't want to be a part of that. And for the next three days, because that was on Monday, um, on Friday, when the riot started, Saturday is when they burnt the ROTC building down. And then Monday is when the May 4th Kent State shooting happened. Yeah, black, see? black United students, totally they quarantined themselves they didn't go down to water street they didn't go down to the rotc uh they weren't you won't find them at all in the kent state shooting it's a very interesting mm. thing that was being used and they you know we were indoctrinated into uh the students were innocent and the yep. big lad national guard came yep. in and shot everybody That's and this really... yeah, let this always be a symbol of what can happen you know, with the national. That's exactly right. That's and, not what happened, though. That's as not what you happened. get through that book, I want to hear more about this because it, it's an eye opener. Yeah, it really the students is. were supposedly so innocent and they were anything but weren't they throwing bricks? At they were throwing cops? bricks at the soldiers. They yeah. were they had organized themselves. I mean, they burnt down the ROTC building and they, while they were burning it down, the fire department came to try to put it out and they had machetes uh already to hook so, up the hoses so they knew that's that an insurrection that's, that's exactly an, right that's an insurrection and the, and the fire uh men that tried to use the hose to put it out were beaten up oh, uh God. by by the crowd and in fact one of the the fire chief was saying as he was beat being trying to pull the hose over there that these kent state women came to him and said no leave the hose alone come up to our dorm and we'll make it worth your while i oh, mean God. this is just a sick event that was and and the fact is that there were all these outside forces like for instance um uh, uh bill Ayers and bernadine darn from the weatherman underground they were orchestrating this from the outside uh they had their people in th that were uh um that were spurring these kids on Mm -hmm. um, that they had had inf infiltrated the whole group and everything. They were doing this. This was a, a plan. These college kids were used by organizations outside of them, much like we see where oh, George Soros is behind that. You know, Billy, this is exactly what was happening 
um, at Kent State was this Marxist movement was adding the the spark uh, that lit the whole thing on fire. Mm. And um, and then years later, you and I are there, you know, uh, 15 years later, you and I are on the campus and they're telling us that exactly what you said, this mm. is the lesson. And, uh, and this is what happens when the federal government gets too mm -hmm. big and we've got to, you know, uh, watch out for this kind of stuff. So these very people that orchestrated this, many of them were professors, uh, mm. became a part of the faculty at Kent State. Mm. And so they re-engineered the whole story to indoctrinate you and I into the whole okay. plan. Okay, okay. I like what you're saying. This is, you're almost answering a question for me here. And the question was, okay, so when I was telling my mother about critical race theory and she never heard of it, and she's like, what do you, and she said to me, I, choose not to believe that because I can't believe that highly educated professors would be teaching their kids this stuff. Absolutely. And you just, and she said, how could that be? And I didn't have Marxist. the best of, I don't have the most articulate answer though. I understand it because her generation, when they were that age, when they were in college, they were all about socialism and Marxism. That's and, exactly right. And I mean, if you actually listen to, I mean, she, pretty much tell you she's still uh, very much into the socialist thing. And it's a slippery slope because I, if you listen to me and the things I've said on this podcast, you'd say this guy, if you're far right, you're going to say that dude's a socialist, me. Because I do believe in this day and age, if we could get all this tax crap out of the way, the siphoning of uh, tax dollars out of the middle class and give it back to us, give us our power back, uh, lesson, uh, our government considerably, I do believe then we should, because of how uh, wealthy we a uh, great we are at creating wealth in our capitalist society, uh, that I do believe that we should nobody should go hungry and homeless and not have water, you know, your basic, I think there should be a, that those basic minimums met. But I also believe from there, the only way that can happen is in a capitalist society, where you incentivize to grow and spread your wings as far as right. you can. And we've seen this, Barry, you're exactly right, is that um, socialism uh, slash Marxism. It's a slippery uh, slope. And ends up, you know, sounds good, feels good, but then you're in communism. Then, then all of a sudden you're Venezuela, right? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. and and the interesting thing I mentioned, um, Bill Ayers from Weatherman Underground. Um, you know, these very same students at that time are the very same people that are in politics today. Yeah. Did you know yeah. it was Hil Hillary Clinton? Um, she wrote her master's thesis. Um, and and Bill Ayers helped her to write her master's thesis. OK, so these people were very tied together. Bill Ayers is the guy who discovered Bill uh, or Barack Obama. Um, oh, Barack really? Obama was given a speech uh, at, at Bill Ayers house for some when he was a, an activist and in Chicago. Bill Ayers, the, yeah, in Chicago, of course, that's where Bill Ayers is from. And uh, and that's where they discovered him and they propped him up and got him in, in with other people. And he was constantly trying to over his presidency, trying to downplay his relationship 
relationship with Bill Ayers and mm. the, the press was very complicit on that. But this is what I'm saying. At Kent State, you had all the elements right there for some unknown reason. Uh, and, and it was really the movement at Kent. The, the reasoning was because they wanted it to be a place that could be any place in America and mm. not like these well-known places like Ohio State University. Well, that's Ohio State. No, they wanted to make it where average common people like the people that go to Kent State, uh, this could happen in everyday America. And that's why they focused so much. That's why it was such a jewel to people like Bill Ayers. And uh, it's so interesting when you start to look at what really happened there and how it relates to what's happening today. Every All of these people in politics today, the Schumers, the Bidens, the, the, the Pelosi's, they all are on that same track as these kids were back at Kent State in 1970. Mm. And it's funny how wealthy they've gotten being on that track. Isn't that ironic? That's the funniest <laughs> part about it is yeah. that what they learned from Marxism is that it, it's not one class, right? Like it's a class. Oh, it's society. two classes. It's yeah. two. It's, it's yeah. the proletariat. It's the, elite. And the bourgeoisie, right? Exactly. Yeah. And it, here's the, the elite. And then uh, the soon to be uh, peasants. Yeah, that's exactly the subjects. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Wow. And mm -hmm. I, I wanted to tell you, changing the subject, yeah. several episodes ago, you were talking about oatmeal milk as cream for my coffee. You were like, oh, you, no, you made... no, not oatmeal, um, almond milk. Okay. So I remember you made fun of me and you said, you're going to say, ew, I don't like this. <laughs> you know, I don't like that voice. <laughs> so I went out and I got oatmeal cream. Oatmeal cream. Ew, I don't like this. <laughs> I don't think I would either. I did not like it. However, last night I said almond milk. Okay, so I got it wrong. So get this. So so uh two nights ago, <laughs> I, don't uh, like I, this. I realized <laughs> I said it just like I, I remember I was in my office. <laughs> I don't like this. <laughs> And I laughed you, you laughed at yourself, didn't you? <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, I can't wait to tell Barry this, and I forgot until now. But you really did wondering. get something called oatmeal milk. It's it's still in the refrigerator right now. It's like a cream. <laughs> you seen it you got out. it so it was, right. It was like tar coming out of there. <laughs> you got it so wrong. What the heck is Barry talking about? I and, and, and for the record, I'll right, say what I oil. what I like best is coconut milk. I mean, oh, in, instead what? of the almond, it tastes so good. I always okay. like coconut right. anyway, and it's very, very little of a slight taste of coconut to it. Oh, but in my coffee, it's so good. But okay. I go I do almond milk because it's supposed to be the best of the best. It's okay. around there. So I want to tell you what happened. So last it was it last night, two nights ago, oh, meal, uh, oh, milk. I, I know, like, how do they you got I it so wrong? Don't even know how they do it with almond? I, how do you make cream? I saw I saw this like video meme or something on Facebook a couple of years ago. It was so funny because they're making fun of what you're saying there. And they're showing this, these like almonds on this little production line and they're hooking up these little tubes to them. Like they're milking the almonds. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like, know, dude, don't they really crush them. This. Yeah. They crush them and add water and somehow it makes them milk. I don't know. Well, here's what happened is that um, Anne-Marie and I have been liking this brand called Natural Bliss. And uh, and so it's like oh, all natural, organic kind of uh, milk cream for your pro cream for your coffee. OK. And that's okay. what we've been using. Um, so is dairy because it's, it's all it, it's all natural. Yeah. So so she, we ran out and 
So like the next morning, I'm not going to have cream for my coffee. And that kind of ruins my morning, right? I, I know. I, I, I got to have the right coffee. I actually keep a backup of that powdered creamer. I usually do just, too. But I don't right. like it. But it's better either, than nothing. But I can get by. Yeah, yeah. it's in a pinch. I'm okay yeah, with that same. too. But I didn't have that either. So yeah. I decided yeah, I'm just going to walk up to the store and get some cream. So I walk up there. And of course, the one product I want, it's completely empty. And I'm like, oh, duh, I hate that. Don't you? <laughs> Uh, and, and so I'm like, look, I'm like, but I'm like, this can't be. And I'm just looking, looking, and then I see it. There's another, oh, it, there it is in another little row right there. There's natural bliss, vanilla. I grab it. And I, I, I walk back home and I'm all proud of myself that I got to take it out of the bag. And I'm like, hey, that's funny. They changed the color of the label here. And I look at the label and it's like almond. Ah, crap. Oh, now I'm going to yell up the stairs. Anne Marie, I got almond <laughs> instead of she's like, well, I guess that's what we're going to have to drink tomorrow. And OK, so I like it. Oh, my God. <laughs> really good. OK, it's a little roundabout of a story, but uh, no, that's a I great. I got it in my coffee right now. now I, I told like, you this is actually pretty good. I'm I glad can, to I hear totally that. I get used to this. Well, and that's what I said. I said. Do it for a month. Don't make a snap judgment because, you know, what you're used to is what you're used to. But right. you will see. It, I got used it, to it immediately. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised, like pleasantly surprised, because uh, give it another month or two and then you'll find yourself somewhere getting milk in your coffee because that's what's there. And, and you'll be like, like yeah, I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's so good that's so good and i gotten to the point where i think of it when i think of milk now it's like uh, it's animal excrement it's bodily fluid (laughs) okay it's bodily fluid it's gross man (laughs) it is all right all right i i hear my dad it's so funny you're saying this because when i was a kid i could drink like like nobody's (laughs) business man i might they'd get a gallon of milk and the next day i'd be gone where where the heck is the milk going yeah and uh so my dad got this idea that he would try to discourage me from drinking milk and he he was constantly because he wanted it yeah, because he didn't he didn't want it to all be gone all the time. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, that comes out of a cow's udder. Right. <laughs> right. I, it's, it's, it's like a cow. milk. Would you want to grow udders? Is that what you're trying? Yeah, he would try all this. Yeah, it had no effect on me. Uh, another thing was because I ate him out of house and home. Oh. Was he would try to tell me, you know how they slaughter that uh, cow, right? Yeah. And then he'd, he'd, uh, t- while I'm trying to eat a bird, nothing would get in the way of you and your nope, beef. Nope. No, I was like, yeah, really? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's gross, dad. <laughs> no, nah, nothing's gonna get in the way of you and your beef. But you know, there are some things that if, if you give too much thought to, can really gross you out, like eggs. Uh, yeah. Well, you, you know what? You're right. And I always yeah. wonder who who was the guy that ate the first egg. Like, yeah, yeah. Dude, you're gonna eat that? <laughs> okay. Or or even like when you really look at a chicken, it's like really you're gonna eat that too. I mean, the whole yeah. bird is kind of weird. But, you know, I was on uh, I was yeah. at my brother in law's house and he has chickens and uh, I was kind of surprised by these chickens. Um, first thing, they're all walking around his yard, you know, these chickens, you know, scratching around and everything. And uh, he goes, you know, and they're kind of coming up to me and he goes, you know, you can pet them. And I'm like, really? Pet a chicken? Ooh. And uh, and so I, I thought I was kind of grossed out, you know, like, oh, like, I'd be scared. He'd peck me. Yeah. You know? Well, it, it was dude. It was the softest most cuddly uh thing uh and it is was very friendly to me 
And oh. um, he says, yeah, oh. all not all of them are friendly. Uh, they all have, uh, you know, their own personalities. And oh, God, now they have personalities. Great. He, he, he did. It, like some of them are friendly and they want to come around and other. It's pretty wild. Uh, the other thing that was interesting was that he, these chickens, they lay an egg every day. Really? I, I, yeah. And I'm like, well, wait, I don't understand this. My, my brother-in-law's name is Dan. I'm like. How how can a how does a chicken lay an egg every day? I mean, what? How does it form it? Is it like is there a rooster? Like I didn't see any roosters in there. I mean, is there a rooster in the woods that just comes breaks into your your your, your hen house every night? Or how is this happening? He says, "No, we don't. You don't need a rooster. The rooster oh. comes by and fertilizes it to yeah. make to make it into a." a live chick right that's exactly yeah. right so so these chickens they just they the, every day they lay an infertile egg and so that in fact you what i'm told is you would not you would not want to eat a fertilized egg uh oh that would be, God. that would be gross that uh, but, would be really really gross but when you think about it oh so God. he's got these chickens that are supplying eggs every day and they like eggs and so i mean it's sort of it's pretty wild one other thing two other things about the chickens one is anytime a big bird would fly overhead they duck into that chicken coop Oh they, yeah, they, 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 that's an instinct. They they know to hide when like a big bird appears. Because uh, they would over. like a hawk would yeah, snatch. Got to come down and the chicken hawk, you oh, know, like crap. remember Bugs Bunny. I do, I do. <laughs> and uh, the little and so chicken they, hawk. They, they knew that. And then another time, Dan said, "Hey, you want to help me clean the chicken coop?" And I was like, "Uh, sure." Wait, what? And uh, so we mm. went out there. And um, and and so he opened that up, and there's a thing at the bottom that you slide out, dude. I could not believe what it was like. There were like 10 German shepherds in there. I mean, what really? I saw down there was unfreaking believable. That was disgusting. Wow. It was, and, they were, and it was huge. Like, really? Like there was a man. Because I thought it'd be pellets. No, it's like a gigantic, Gross. like amazingly gigantic thing. And it stinks to what do they high eat? hell. Do they eat uh, corn? I mean, it's like a, it's some kind of feed that they, I guess there's. Yeah, you're right. Imagine stuff. them yeah. running around on the ground, pecking at the ground and right. bugs yeah. and stuff like that. Ooh. And so, you know, but uh, oh, my God. And then and then that totally changed my whole thing about chickens. Like I, I was like, oh, they're cute and cuddly. And oh, I hate chickens. I just want to <laughs> I don't even know if I want to eat anymore. <laughs> uh, that changed after I left. I you know, several, if I let my mind get away with me, I could. Uh, convince myself to be a vegetarian yeah I, right exactly there's just a lot in thinking about cows getting slaughtered and all that but you know what joe rogan who's a big hunter he puts a good perspective on it he's like uh he, you know he likes elk he says it's the best protein meat for you it's the cleanest meat wild yeah. elk best you can possibly do and people that are anti-hunting and stuff he goes hey i am giving them such a better death than they're going to get in the wild they're, they don't die of old age or a heart right, attack. Right. They get eaten. And when like bears eat something, they usually uh, eat it alive. Like they don't kill it, then eat it. They're oh. biting your leg off while you're alive and holding your head down and stuff. I mean, it's, it's why providing a service in a sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, even yeah. a, a cow. Now, I won't eat veal because it's a baby cow. I just can't. Yeah. 
get past the thought. I cannot get past the thought. And, and some people, man, like you would beef, you could tell them all day long, you're eating a baby, you're eating a baby. They'll just sit there and eat it right in front of you and never bat an eye. Yeah. Uh, fine. I just can't do that. But a cow, I suppose, if you're a, a natural, uh, you know, there's a uh, horrific, you could find some horrific footage of these uh, farms that chickens are on top of each other. Oh, you're and, right. You know, you're right. Uh, Tyson, that, that brand Tyson's notorious. Oh, remember, for... we've seen we've seen terrible videos of mm -hmm. this kind of stuff before. You know, I read this uh, book called Devil in the White City. Um, mm. This is a great book, by the way, and it it, it uh, it's the center of the book is two is really two different things. It's it's set in the the set. It's a true story, set in Chicago in uh, eighteen eighty two, I believe it is, when the national uh, international World's Fair was mm. was there. A very very prominent um, thing happened there because it was the first time I was ever in Chicago. It was normally in New York. Uh, but the one before that was when was in Paris and the, the, they rolled out the Eiffel Tower. So this had to be a really big deal in Chicago and all those museums in Chicago down on the lakefront. Mm. Those were built for that World's Fair. <clears throat> so that's a, a remnant from there. Um, anyway, uh, so you got that and then you have this America's first serial killer was inhabiting that whole thing and he had killed several women wow. several women uh in during that fair so he's uh, like but, jack the ripper over there yeah he, he he's exactly like jack the, yeah. in fact he was uh sort of mimicking jack the ripper in a way mm -hmm. um and he, he was extremely charismatic and uh would you know he was a very good looking guy as well and mm. so he was able to go to the fair <sighs> and get these women to swoon over him and he had an apartment he was a doctor also and he had oh my god uh right off of where the fair was where he could bring these women and, yeah. and he would kill them and then he would um his specialty was that he would strip all of the meat off of them so and sell their skeletons to science oh my god that's <laughs> horrific and, and he had like a big vat of acid where he would uh, he would uh dissolve all the 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 the, the jack the, the ripper meets breaking bad Oh, my yes, God. Yes. And uh, for some we were talking about something just before that, that reminded me of something about that. But now that I said that story, I totally forgot. No, <laughs> I don't know. Like that was horrifying. A, I was making a point, though, and I totally well, because we were talking about uh, that killing animals. And oh, know. oh, so there's so, you know, Chicago is a big like, you know, meat industry, especially pork. And um, and so they have these uh, big, you know, killing fields for for, for, for pigs. And the oh. book actually at one point, uh, this man takes his date to the pig place to wow. see how these pigs are. Are, are you listening, butchered. Lisa? This is we're going to do a road trip and go. Do oh, this. and it was I, like I don't I, I the quit, squealing. I, I quit I've heard for a day. I've Today, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it was. I mean, it was it, the the picture that it makes is just just awful. I don't know how you could work at a place like this. Oh God, could you imagine? You no. know, I, I've always thought about is a morgue. It's a total recession-proof industry, right? And um, but my God, to do that day in day out—that's I oh, know. God. 
Here's a fascination that I kind of have with the more, I don't know why it's a weird thing. Um, but I, I, I don't know. Um, sometimes I'll go into it cause I work with hospitals and I'll go into a hospital and they'll say, uh, oh, we'll give you a little tour of the hospital. And then they'll say something like, you want to see the morgue? And then they'll, ha, but I'm like, sure. Yeah, I guess, uh, I guess I could sort of kind of the curiosity aspect. Understand I mean, it. Maybe just one look, one peek, just give me a peek. And yeah, yeah that should be enough. Could I for touch me. it? Yeah. yeah yeah right yeah um, gross yeah but, you know uh, so you wonder what you know apparently the business is very the funeral business is extremely lucrative lucrative for yeah. sure yeah so i just went to irby's wake last oh, week yeah. right and uh boy there's the speak it to your point everybody has this morbid fascination with uh seeing a corpse out there that's uh, uh everybody wants to see how the the embalming went and the embalm what's the word for those guys that do that yeah but how good of a job they did and yeah. and i always always have thought uh, it doesn't look like that person i mean when their soul's gone their soul is gone and that can, did not yeah. look like irby at all so isn't that interesting but we have a morbid fascination with rating the guy the guy's work we do don't you think what, what do you mean Everybody wants to see. Oh, that looks. Oh, just oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Give their Bill review. Cosby. Bill yeah. Cosby did a skit on this back in the '70s, where he's like, "You go to this funeral, and they went, didn't he look like himself? <laughs> that was the thing. It didn't look. I don't want to look like myself when I'm dead. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but you're right. I, I'll never forget. Like when I saw my father after he passed away. I mean, mm -hmm. it was like, in a way, it was comforting, Barry, because when I saw him, I knew he wasn't there. Yeah. Okay. He'd gone okay. like he, the thing I, that made him him had left and gone. That's a fact. Uh, that's an undeniable fact. Yeah. Now, do you think, uh, you know, they say that they do that for some sense of closure. Do you think that's valid or do you think uh, it's just a morbid fascination? Because, hmm, OK, look, I, look, I personally think it's I wanted to see my father very badly after okay. he passed away so and it was kind of they wouldn't let me go to the place until they had him prepared mm. i would have gone immediately i uh, my my brother and my mom when he passed away uh they you know they brought him into the room so they could see him and I, my brother has a very traumatic dramatic story about seeing him but i gotta say mm. deep inside of me i wanted to be there too i wasn't there at that time i didn't get to see him until several days later mm -hmm. and but i'm telling you that i remember as soon as we were available to go over and look at him my brother and i got in the car and drove over it and, and we had a special time just he and i together with my oh, father's good. body and oh, good and i remember uh being really nervous on the way over there but mm. um as soon as i saw him there was Sure, there was a lot of sadness, but there was a comfort, an instant comfort that came with knowing that okay. I could see that he wasn't there. You know what I mean? It was just, okay. It wasn't it wasn't him that was about to go down into the ground. That okay that gave me a lot of comfort, especially you know my dad had just become a Christian only a mm -hmm. couple of years before that. Mm -hmm. But before that, he had talked about having this nightmare 
about being in a casket and going down oh. into the ground oh. and his body decaying and worms eating them and uh. stuff like and he would talk about this stuff all the time it scared the crap out of me and scott sure. actually like i don't want worms to eat me yeah they could eat you but not me <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, see i got strong feelings about that now i appreciate what you're saying about the closure aspect yeah. uh, the way you laid it out there i understand it I've never had that feeling. Uh, I don't, I'd re- I think I'd prefer a closed casket because man, yeah. for one, what that, uh, I always, I want to say taxidermist, but that's what they do with animals. So, and they stuff animals, but, uh, whatever that, uh, embalming person is called, right. uh, but to uh, drain your blood, fill you with embalming stuff. sew your lips together, all of that stuff sounds like desecration of a corpse to me. It sounds really, uh, inhuman, uh, uh, cruel. I, and I don't know, maybe one day when we're on the other side, we'll have this awareness that that wasn't really too cool to do that to a body. I don't know. I know I'm getting cremated. I think that's the most natural thing. And uh, I want that to be done. And I don't want my corpse to be handled like that, even though I'm not there. But I understand your point. You got a good point about the closure part that you you had. So it was also interesting. um, My father had uh, left specific instructions that uh, he he not be seen by the general public. So only his closest family was able to see him. But it was a closed casket for for everybody else. Interesting. Um, what, do you know why he felt that way? He, it was it had to do with everything that you're talking about was uh, dignity. He didn't want mm. his his body being seen by a whole bunch on of people. Display. And he, he was also a person that was very controlling about everything. Yeah. And so he, even in death, wanted to be in control of what That's was going on. Funny, <clears throat> yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. And to me, it seems like death is the ultimate liberating thing that will ever oh, yeah. happen. I so, think about him and his his how he had bad feet. And I'm telling you, if your feet are hurting, life is miserable for you. And uh, I think about how, you know, he was an athlete, how he's running around. He doesn't have those bad feet anymore, you know, because he's oh. constantly complaining about his feet. And that's, that's no one kidding. thing. And he no. had the worst feet. I mean, I when he took his shoes off. It was like, what the heck happened to you, man? I mean. Mm. Apparently, growing up, uh, his he uh, he could never have shoes that fit him. Oh. He was very poor, oh. and he had huge feet. I mean, he wore a size fifteen as an adult. Oh my god! Yeah, so uh, so oh yeah, and so he had hammer toes. His his toes were hammer toes, and he got big like callous knuckled toes and everything. And it was just Ugh. like, Ugh. and uh, very sensitive. Like if you walked past him, he pulls feet back real quick. Like don't touch my feet, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would hurt. Okay. Like he stepped that, on yeah. his toe. Oh, God, uh, if I you ever that... touched his toe, he, he made a big deal. Like, you know, it was almost like if you accidentally nicked his toe a little bit, it was almost like the punter is trying to get a technical uh, oh. uh, penalty, you know, like, <laughs> fall down. <laughs> Pulls a LeBron James. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like five seconds later. Oh, <laughs> buddy, I anyway, hate to say I know it. We got to wrap it up. Yeah, man. we could go. We could go all day, man. We could. I'm, I'm in that mood too, where me I really too, could. I have so much to do, though. I, I do really too. do. And I'm going to try to get this out as soon as possible because I got a lot going on. So be looking for it by, by right. to my time. Sounds great. I love it. Yours. All right. All right, dude. Hey, I hope you have a great weekend, man. Love you you. too, Barry. Love you too, man. Bye. Bye.